I'm Peter Bedlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge from WNIJ. If this is your first time here on the show, good news, it's a really simple idea. We've all had teachers in our lives who helped shape who we are, and we want to hear about the educators who've inspired you and the educators in your community who deserve a spotlight. Every teacher we have on this podcast, again, whether it's a coach, professor, counselor, is nominated by the folks who listen, so please do be a part of our show. Tell us about the person who comes to your mind, and email us with your nominations and story ideas at teacherslounge at niu.edu. That's teacherslounge at niu.edu. This week on the show, we are chatting with two students in the teacher prep program at Northern Illinois University. You know, we've talked to students before, we've talked with teachers, we've talked with teachers who just finished their student teaching, but never any students still in the midst of their classes on how to become a teacher. You know, with a pandemic and a whirlwind of parent and public pressure, why would anyone want to become a teacher in 2022? It's pretty simple, but you'll have to listen to find out. Vivian Martinez is a middle level teaching and learning major. She's gonna teach middle school. And Emily Darnell is an elementary education major. We talked about discovering your passions, the most fascinating education classes they've taken so far, and why middle school gets a bad rap. All that and so much more coming up here on Teacher's Lounge. Okay, so before our conversation with Vivian and Emily, we have a few stories we want to share with you. Over the past few years, dozens of school districts across Illinois have launched initiatives to make advanced placement courses more diverse. In most cases, those classes didn't reflect the racial diversity of their school. So I decided to check in on if those initiatives actually accomplished their goal. Advanced placement, or AP classes, were created over 70 years ago to give high schoolers a jumpstart on the path to college. Students can earn early college credit by scoring high on AP tests, but even in 2022, that opportunity often still isn't available to every student. That's why school districts including Rockford and DeKalb partner with organizations like Equal Opportunity Schools to try and make AP enrollment more equitable. Rockford Public Schools started working with the organization several years ago, although it's since moved away from them in favor of an in-house strategy that includes a collaboration with tutoring company Academic Approach, which also focuses on equitable access to these classes. RPS is the third largest district in Illinois. The district is just over 30% black, but its AP programs do not mirror that. Black students only make up 11% of those taking AP classes. From 2015-16 through the 2020-21 school year, the number of black students enrolled in one or more advanced placement courses decreased, even as the total number of students in AP programs went up. And the percentage of black students in AP fell every single year. That's despite the district's work to close racial gaps. Those disparities don't appear for Hispanic students, though. The percentage of Hispanic students in AP is much closer to district demographics. Morgan Gallagher is chief of schools at RPS, and he says Rockford schools are disaggregating data on student achievement and social-emotional learning every day and focus on increasing equity. In a statement to WNIJ, he wrote, quote, Reversing this trend is, of course, a primary objective to our equity imperative. Gallagher also says they've countered racial disparities in AP by heavily investing in dual credit opportunities to get students early college credit. Over the past five years, the number of Rockford students achieving dual credit has risen substantially, including for students of color. Black students represent 19% of students in dual credit at RPS, which is a good deal higher than in advanced placement. Gallagher says dual credit can be a game changer for students weighing whether to pursue a post-secondary education. I've seen it time and again as a principal at Roosevelt. 
students who were unsure as to whether they were going to get their high school diploma who upon receiving their diploma already had college credit and were already enrolled. DeKalb also teamed up with Equal Opportunity Schools before recently opting for an in-house system. They started working with the organization four years ago, and at that point, only 4% of students in its AP classes were black. And this past year, it was up to 9%. That's an improvement, but it's still a far cry from the district's 25% black student enrollment. And like Rockford, those gaps don't extend to Hispanic students. Sarah Montgomery is DeKalb's Director of Teaching and Learning, and she says they do see their work with Equal Opportunity Schools as a success. But then looking back at the increased involvement, they thought we can do more, we can do better. Their new homegrown program is called Advancing Student Opportunities. As in Rockford, Montgomery says they wanted to help students in other early college and career coursework besides AP. That includes career and technical education as well as dual credit. She says Equal Opportunity Schools helped them lay the groundwork for the new program. She says it taught them how mentoring and relationship building can help identify which students are ready to level up into a new class. But it still has its limitations. It's one thing to get a student in a class, but two, we need to make sure that they're adequately supported and successful in that. Over the past year, DeKalb High School started a student ambassador program. Students who have been in AP or dual credit programs recruit other students through level up fairs and student-led panels. They even help tutor those students before the AP test. Montgomery says they hope student-led programs will help close the opportunity gaps that still persist in advanced placement and dual credit so that the students who could benefit the most from a college or career jumpstart actually get one. And one more story. A few weeks ago, the Biden administration announced a student loan forgiveness program. Some borrowers could have as much as $20,000 forgiven. And I got to dive into the impact it could have on the economy and on everyday people with student debt. Student debt has soared in the 21st century. It went from $520 billion in 2006 to now over $1.7 trillion. The White House estimates that around 43 million borrowers could be eligible for some debt forgiveness. And of those, close to half could have their student loan debt completely erased. Charlie Wackles graduated from Columbia College in Chicago this spring. He could see nearly half of his federal student loans canceled. Wackel says the relief feels reassuring, especially as a freelance journalist where prompt pay isn't guaranteed. I'm still waiting on writing that I did in like early July for payments. Some of these gigs are my bread and butter. I mean, the gigs that take the longest to pay are usually the gigs that pay the most and are the gigs that I pay my rent with and buy my groceries with. But Wackel still feels lucky. He worked hard to pay for school, but he knows others didn't have the family support and financial safety net that he did. And he knows that for others, most often students of color, even $20,000 worth of forgiveness is still just a drop in the bucket. The average black public university graduate in Illinois owes $32,000 in loans, which is about $10,000 higher than white grads from those same schools. And nearly 30% of black borrowers have monthly loan payments over $350. Maya Rothman is a black college grad who finished school just before the pandemic, and it made it especially hard for her to find steady work, especially as someone largely physically disabled. The way that loans come out has been historically just, you know, not great for people of color, to put it nicely. The Streamwood resident was thrilled when she first heard the news and said it would wipe out a sizable chunk of her debt. 
And for her, it's a first step towards financial security. And she hopes the debt relief program is a first step towards real solutions to make college more affordable for everyone. That's what Mike Abrahamson, policy manager at the Partnership for College Completion, is focused on. His organization is part of the Illinois State Board of Higher Education's Commission on Equitable Public University Funding. Coming up with a new way to fund higher ed is complex, and they have to weigh what resources, schools, and students need to be successful. But Abrahamson says, in some ways, it is simple. They need more funding. We have to acknowledge that for two decades, basically, our universities have been asked to do more with less. And so there's no substitute for this additional funding that we need to see. Over the past 20 years or so, Abrahamson says much of the cost has been shifted to students. He says you can draw a direct line from the lack of state investment in higher ed to the unique substantial enrollment declines at Illinois universities. Dr. Tammy Batson teaches in the Department of Economics at Northern Illinois University. As an economist, she thinks debt relief was a good move at a good time. And despite worries from some, she doesn't see it as a driver of inflation. I don't know if it will contribute considerably to what we're already dealing with. We're already dealing with supply chain issues. To be honest, I I think no one has been paying these student debts for this amount of time at this place. And she thinks that reinstituting student loans right away would have been worrying for an economy struggling to find its footing. But she also gets why some who may have been priced out of college or otherwise didn't pursue a degree might find it unfair. I can hear what they're saying. And most mostly what I would like to say is remind yourself you still have maybe kids or grandkids coming through a system. And if I, I'm part of anyone's administration, I would be clear that if you have not been extended this opportunity at this point, you are more than welcome to take it now. In a recent speech, President Joe Biden outlined what he believes debt relief will offer people. All this means people can start, finally crawl out from under that mountain of debt to get on top of their rent and their utilities, to finally think about buying a home or starting a family or starting a business. That's exactly what Jacob Colgan is thinking, too. He graduated from the University of Illinois at Chicago a few years ago with a degree in electrical engineering. And he says, quote, This relief eliminates a majority of my remaining debt and will give me some breathing room to start looking for a house. And even if it's just a Band-Aid and not a long-term solution, For some people like Colgan, that forgiveness means he can move forward into the next phase of his life. Okay, now it's time for my conversation with Northern Illinois College of Education students and future teachers someone's going to be really lucky to have, Emily Darnell and Vivian Martinez. Let's start off hearing from Vivian Martinez about her experience observing a classroom recently. It depends on who your teacher is. Like, you can interact with them if if the teacher lets you, but otherwise... Most of the time you're kind of like with a notebook or on your computer taking notes, taking like detailed notes about like how teachers deal with certain situations, like what kind of questions they ask, like how do they segue into like a lesson plan in another or how they like incorporate like fun like story times from like their life to like students life. Like you're basically just a sponge, just like just sitting there taking everything in versus like if you were actually like student teaching, like you would actually be able to interact with the students more, like answer questions, walk around, maybe even be involved in like the lesson itself that the teacher is doing and like giving suggestions on like, on what you can say during the lesson with the teacher that you're with, so. Emily, have you gotten the chance to do that yet? Um, Yeah, so Vivian, I believe your middle school 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm in the elementary department and my experience has been a little different. So I am on my second semester of we it's called clinical hours. Mm -hmm. And so it started last semester where I was in a classroom twice a week for three hours. And then now this semester, I'm in a classroom twice a week for a full day. Mm -hmm. Um, And on my very first day of last semester, when we had um, like talked with, because the clinical hours are technically still a class at NIU that I'm taking. So I have a teacher for it. And the very first day she told us um, these observations are not you sitting observing. You need like you should be up in the class and everything. And we were all like, this is our first time in a classroom. Like, well, that's a lot. Um, yeah. But I was really lucky with the teachers that I um, was with last semester and they helped me so much. And I, I was very involved in the classroom. And then same thing now, even today was only my second day and I'm already just like a full other teacher in the classroom. Besides the teaching part, um, once I get into the student teaching, from what I understand, it will be where I have full control of the classroom. So like the classroom teacher is just sitting in the corner and then I'll be teaching. I can't. I have a little bit more time for that. Yeah, I'm just starting out. So I think that's why they're kind of like easing us into it. And I only have clinicals once a week for four hours. So that's a little different too. You know, does it progress as the semesters go on? It's still, oh, as the semesters go on, I am actually, I'm not entirely sure about that. I just know that for this semester, I only have it once a week for four hours and it goes until November 23rd. Yeah, I think that. That's like before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then which, you're in elementary ed, Emily? Yeah. So what grade level are you in now? Um, Right now I'm in a first grade classroom. And it's, it's very new. I've only ever been with fourth and fifth graders. I have a lot of experience with fourth and fifth graders. And it, and now I'm in first grade. I always joke that like fourth, yeah, I actually, we just had a, um, a teacher on like one of the last episodes that is a fourth and fifth grade, like physical education teacher. And I always joke that like, I think that fourth and fifth grade is like kind of like one of the ideal spots to teach in because it's like they're old enough to where they pretty much do everything on their own very independent but they haven't quite gotten to that like middle school like a kind of uh just like peak sarcasm and like <laughs> all that stuff that like there's still something about that that's still like kind of a little young and innocent but they could still do everything how have you found first grade so far over the first few days um I am really enjoying it so I kind of before this I had the same mindset as you were I was like fourth and fifth grade is where I'm at it's what I want to do because um so I'll be able to teach first through fifth grade that's what my degree will be yeah and um but now I'm in a first grade classroom I wanted to try something different and I I am really loving it but at the same time the fourth and fifth graders I was with um last semester they it is so different than what fourth and fifth grade was pre-COVID. Um, so? my, my senior year of high school, I took a class where I was able to go and basically student teach in a fourth grade classroom. And just the level that they're at is not the same. Like I, in my classes um, last semester, because I was in two different classrooms, just the way it worked out, that's not normal though. Um, there, there was things where it was like, this should be done by second grade, 
and they still couldn't do it. Like some of them had writing. It was writing was not great. Multiplication, like simple multiplication um, and writing their writing, like um, writing like a paper, mm-hmm. like sentences. Yeah. It was just, it's a lot of reteaching instead right. of moving on to that higher level lessons it's because you still have to do the lessons you have yeah. certain um what is it called the the goals yeah. that yeah. you have to meet but then as you're teaching the lesson you realize okay these they are not able to do this so you have to go back and it's just it's a lot so you feel like this idea that people have talked about over the past few years of, of a learning loss of students being somewhat behind the trajectory of their education, like academically of where they would be in non-pandemic times. Do you feel that in your oh, classrooms definitely. now? 100%. It's different in the first grade classroom because they were not in, I mean, they're, it's only first grade. So they, right. You're starting at a different foundation yeah. there. Right. Um, yeah. But in seeing in the fourth and fifth grade, definitely they are behind. And I actually, um, I just got a job through, I think it's Illinois state. They started a program of tutors specifically for kids who are behind because of COVID. So I don't uh, high impact tutoring stuff. Yeah. Uh So yeah, it is. I think it's very real. Do you guys think about that with your own like education experience? I know that you guys were at a very different point in your academic career at that point, but like, so like you guys were what, like sophomores or freshmen in college when the pandemic started or, or when would that have been? Like 2020, where were you at? I'm not on like the normal four-year path, um, yeah. transferred and stuff, but I yeah, was yeah. Still my associate's degree at my community college. Okay. When it yeah. Happened. And I so like, same way too. oh, you guys both transferred community college? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so did I, I. had a university, a different university before that too. So this is my third school. Okay, yeah, no, I did. I did the same thing. Of I transferred from community charm. college. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. It's been good. So have you, have you guys thought about like, however that looked for you, like however the pandemic disrupted things or sent you online for different classes? Do you have you thought about how it's like impacted the course of your college experience? I have a little bit. Yeah. Where I was at, since I hadn't really fully entered um, my professional semesters yeah. or my degree, I was still just taking pretty basic level classes. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't think it had that much of an impact on me. Good. That's but, great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know like people who were um, a little bit ahead of me, it really impacted their clinical hours, the chance to like actually be in oh, a yeah. school. So I know someone, she has um, her own classroom this year. It's her first year. And before she went in for student teaching, she had nine hours in a classroom of experience. And for me, when I go into student teaching, I think I'll have like four or 500 hours. Oh my God, really? So it's like, literally you'll have like (laughs) that much exponentially Mm -hmm. more hours. Yeah, very different. What about you, Vivian? Um, I was, again, I was, like, early, like, in my early stages of, like, college, so I was basically just taking, like, the core, like, basic, like, classes. Yeah, gen ed stuff, yeah. Yeah, so it didn't, like, it didn't affect me yet, but I do know that, like, from other people's experience that I've, like, heard that they, again, like, had, like, very little hours of experience going into student teaching, 
and they felt like they weren't as prepared as like what they're seeing like how my like class is being prepared for it because there's so much more like just information and just like how to use technology if things go wrong like again hopefully they don't like it was just they were just very like severely like unprepared and like some people say like they were like let down kind of which I feel like is kind of sad but it means it's true because they didn't get like the full experience that other like students are getting like now right like like left out in a certain way but well I'm glad that you both it didn't obviously disrupted you but it seems like it, it it wasn't quite as bad as if you were like slightly younger or if you were slightly older, it might've been worse. We were at the perfect, perfect spot. Yeah. (laughs) So Emily, you are in elementary ed. Vivian, you are in middle school. Yes. And like, I feel like the middle schoolers, they get a bad rap. You know, people, people like to hate on middle school. So like, what do you you think about the stereotype that that they get? Is it unwarranted? And like, what do you have to say to all the the middle school haters out there? (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, even like my professors are just like, oh my gosh, they're monsters. Like, uh, really, it comes even from the professors. Yeah. Like the professors, like, just be prepared, but like, it's so worth it because like they keep you on your toes and like, they're very smart and they're very sharp and they're like just starting to like experiment like with themselves like who they are and like what they want to be and it's just such like a fun time to like I don't want to like use the term of like hanging out but just like helping them find like who they are and like what they want to do and then also just like learning at the same time and just like having fun but also like going through like the crazy like weird things that they you know like the spastic like weird inappropriate jokes or like games that they play or whatever like you still you have to like have some level of like professionalism and be like tough love like hey you know don't do that you know so like like, even in the face of your professors being like you know watch your back when you're with them yeah exactly what is it that made you want to go specifically into that grade level that you're like I just want to dive into the deep end (laughs) I just want to go crazy no (laughs) I, I wanted to do middle school because um, when I was in middle school, middle school is such like a, like a very critical time in like a student's like development yeah, yeah. yeah, and development. So like, again, like the whole brain chemistry thing, like everything that they learn about who they are and what they're doing in middle school has been theorized that like that personality that they have, like in middle school is what basically you carry on like through your whole life because your brain is like connecting pathways and it's creating those connections and it's hard to change the brain once it's like fully sets in so I just want to be the teacher that I never had which is like a guide to help them find who they are find like what they want to be find their true selves and not be somebody that like they're not basically because I never had that in middle school and I had gone through so many different like versions of myself that I did not need to go through that to just be like who I truly am today like I don't want somebody some other kid experience through all that and also just make like learning fun because I feel like middle school like nobody like really remembers like class like learning in middle school just like no one's like man if I could only go back do. to that seventh yeah. grade English language arts man that's when I peaked <laughs> right yeah. exactly like it's just it's just a fun time to teach because everyone is just like 
really just learning about themselves and just like trying to be who they are, but also like going through so many different like changes within themselves and then everybody else around them. Everyone's going through different things at different times. It's just, it's just a very like monumental time in like someone's life to go through. And I just, I don't yeah. know. That always like me in to help. So it is a really beautiful idea though, of like wanting to be the teacher that you didn't have during that yeah. experience. And, you know, obviously one of the things that we talk about in this show is like, if you've had a teacher, you know, maybe not in middle school, but at some point in your education journey that like, made you want to be a teacher in the first place oh, yeah. you know yeah and so I, I'll pose that to both of you so Vivian you could start out and then we'll, we'll go over to you, Emily but yeah like did you have someone and and we find a lot that a lot of teachers that we have on here like their parents were teachers or mm-hmm. like they've got in their family my mom's a teacher my stepmom's a teacher I've got it too it's my mom's last year before retirement she's very excited so She's on the farewell Congratulations. tour Congratulations. Right <laughs> yeah. Having a great time. Sad, but it's so nice though. <laughs> yeah. But like, did, did you have a teacher at some point in your journey that like really cemented that this is something you wanted to do? I did. I, backstory first though. Like I first want to be like a teacher. I didn't come to the realization that I wanted to be a teacher. I think subconsciously in the back of my mind throughout my whole like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't come to that realization until like my last year of my community college where I'm like yes this is exactly what I want to do because I was thinking back towards my high school days and the one teacher that really stood out to me was my psychology teacher he was always he was like the dad of like the whole school like he had like coffee tea water that students that even if he didn't have the students as in his class like they're welcome to come in and just like grab something to eat grab like coffee water in his room like the lights were always dimmed for students who didn't get like enough sleep like the night before or like had migraines or some sort of like like head issues so like they could just sit and just relax and like his classroom was just filled with like books and music and art anything that like you could possibly imagine that could like draw everybody in so everyone could like come together and just be like one student body and like really connect with each other. And he was always there to like listen to everybody's problems and offer advice and like tell funny stories about his experience to be like, oh, don't do this in college or don't do this when you're older, like make sure you pay your taxes or like whatever, like just like funny things. Yeah. And so like, I just would, and the one thing that really made me be like, yeah, like I want to be like him like he really cemented it was that when I graduated I had a really hard time going through middle school and high school and like when I graduated he like found me and he gave me a hug and he's like I knew you could do it kiddo and it just like it like it really like made me just feel like really like seen and like cared for and I was like yeah like I did it like there was one teacher that actually believed and like cared that I was able to like make it through and graduate so that that's what I always like think about when I think of who really inspired me to be a teacher. I love that. What about you, Emily? And then same thing for like your, your kind of origin story. Is this something that you've always wanted to do? Were you like setting up a classroom of stuffed animals at five years old? Like some people I was. Here, you were, yeah. <laughs> I was. But it was my friends because my friends actually, they had desks, like school desks in their basement. So it was What's going on there. <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. Just as long as I can remember, I um, like going into elementary school, my first real 
memory of loving it isn't until like fifth grade. Um, but I know even before that, I just, I always would like look at my teacher and see everything they're doing and just be like, I want, that is what I want to do. I want this to be my future. And I just, um, tried to help out as much as I could. Like in some ways I was the teacher's pet a little bit with like the little chores and stuff like that. I just, I love it. Even like today with my clinicals, I stayed later to cut things. I only left because I had to come for this, but I would have stayed longer. Um, just a little stuff like that. I love. And then just as I like got through my schooling, I just loved it even more. Um, middle school, I, as you were saying, I had the exact same thing. I didn't have one teacher that really was good. Um, so then once I got into high school, I had some ones and I was like, I just like looked up to them. I already knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I would look at them and be like, okay, I, I am going to be like that. I'm going to do this type of stuff. And just, yeah. So I've only fallen in love with it more as I've gotten older. Um, but always known. That's awesome. I'm always jealous of people that, that knew early on what they wanted to do. Actually, Vivian, it was kind of similar for me. I, it wasn't until my like last semester at community college that things really crystallized for me. And I think yeah. that it was being able to like experiment and take a bunch of different classes throughout community college that like kind of everything started to make sense for me. But I love that idea that you both talked about of like, you know, not just like having a, you know, one teacher that like made a big difference, but like it, it almost makes you think about like the weight of like, almost like the responsibility of teachers, like whether or not you realize it or not, that like you really have no idea what you're going to say to someone that is going to end up like sticking with them for the rest of your life. And like what a like weight and a responsibility that that is. But also like you can think of that and be like, wow, like that's really hard. Like I hope I don't mess this up. But you can also look at it through a positive perspective too and be like, I can be that teacher that I didn't have and I know that that can be something that sticks with someone for the rest of their life, but it's kind of hard to have that perspective early on, like when you're going through that. But I'm sure that as you're thinking about, like, you know, at this point, you're like really like, so like only a few months or a year away from stepping into the classroom. I'm sure that's something that you think about. Yeah, I actually, I have a funny story. My friend just like an hour ago, she told me this story. Um, the one who, this is her first classroom this year yeah. and she is in second grade and at the beginning of the year. So about three, four weeks ago, she said to the kids, like, let's go shopping. Cause they were going to look at the books that she mm -hmm. had. And even like today, one of her students was like, let's go shopping. And she was like, I just they love it. They all keep on saying it. it's like been three, four weeks now and they're still saying it, but it was just like the one quick thing that she just said one day. So, I know yeah. it, it. Sometimes it's like really like weird, like random things like that that stick with you. But a lot of times I think it is just like, and tell me if you think that this is, is, is true, but it's almost like when you try to think back, like about your like specific things that you learned in like seventh grade chemistry, it's kind of hard to like pin down what lessons you particularly learned, but like you always remember the way that your teachers treated you. Like you always remember that. So one of the things I was curious to ask both of you too, is like, you're going into different grade levels. And we talked a little bit about the pandemic and how that impacted like you as, you know, students so far, but I was fascinated because it seems like even though 
things are quote unquote a little bit back to the way things were before where, you know, classrooms are mainly in person. It's not like you're having to do that thing where you're juggling half people in person, half people online. At least I hope not, because I have no idea how people were able to pull that off a couple of years I ago. I haven't had that. <laughs> but like the, with the, the pandemic, it kind of feels like to me, and tell me if this is something that you felt at all over the past couple of years, that like teaching has kind of become at least it feels like it's become even more complicated and almost somewhat stressful through the course of the pandemic. Like, you know, you hear people talk about issues like teacher shortages, which is something that's, you know, not a hundred percent exactly what people think that it is. It's a a really complicated issue. Or, you know, people talk about like pandemic era restrictions, like, you know, the masking and the e-learning that made things difficult and about how kind of those controversies almost were often thrust on teachers from like, you know, whether it be like an angry parent or like school boards, but like kind of teachers got caught in the middle of a lot of the stuff that seemed to be very stressful. And I was curious if that's something that you've felt even in your classes talking about education, that there is some like stress around teaching these days. And yeah, I was curious if it's something that you've really thought about at all, or if any of your teachers have talked about, because it's something that we hear a lot from, from people that are, that are, you know, have been in the classroom for years that like these past, especially actually this last school year was like felt very stressful in a way that the years prior didn't. So I was curious if any of that is part of the conversation that you have in any of your classes, or if it's something that you can feel even as you're preparing to step into a classroom. Is this just pertaining to just COVID or just for other like issues as well? Other issues as well, just kind of the culmination of all those issues that have been, you know, front and center over the past couple of years, whether it be the pandemic, whether it be, you know, uh, teacher shortages, other issues, just in general, it feels like this is kind of a more complicated time for education than it has been in the past. Because there's been a lot of talk. I don't know if there's any talk of this with your classes, Emily, but um the use of pronouns in classrooms for the lgbtq community and then having parents who might not agree with their child's what they want to be called or how they want to be addressed like versus what the parent wants them to be addressed as like their own name like one example that one of my teachers had used was they had a student who wanted to be um who was named priscilla by her parents but she wanted to go by danny in the classroom and the teacher um called her Danny in the classroom but her parent her his parent like emailed the teacher my professor and was like her name is Priscilla and she will be called Priscilla you will not address her as Danny like all this stuff and it's just it's hard for teachers to kind of like have a relationship with a parent and then also with a student and make things work but ultimately he decided that he was going to call him Danny in the classroom and then it just addressed the parent through emails by naming him so there's been like talks of like how to handle with that and then also with COVID like people wanting to wear a mask people not wanting to wear a mask and just like kind of like discrimination of like people who are wearing masks being like kind of singled out or like teased or bullied or yeah you know so I mean I I would say that it's definitely has some challenges that are going to be hard to deal with with certain people in their mindsets can make things very difficult um but it's just 
one thing that we have to just kind of like learn and grow and educate ourselves on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like there's a few of these like kind of minefields that just didn't yeah. exist five to mm-hmm. ten years ago. Yeah. Emily, yeah. what do you think? Um, talked too much about that specific thing. We had like sure. um, in a classroom management class that I took last semester, my teacher mentioned it, but I haven't really had too much experience with it. Um, but what I have heard a lot about, and I was talking to my um, clinical, the teacher, classroom teacher that I'm observing yeah. with, um, I was talking to her today about it because we have a few a few students that are have pretty major behavior issues yeah and so it is it's a lot and she was saying that it did not used to be like this like the the way that kids are now the behaviors that they have have even now or in they're in first grade they weren't in school before the pandemic or really in a lot of the pandemic with somehow the way that things were at home I don't know the whole dynamic of life changed and somehow it turned into elementary kids getting more aggressive and it is it's hard because you don't have you have power as a teacher but there's still so many things that you can't do and so many things that you need to be careful about the way you say things but like it would be different if I was talking to my younger brother who was being annoying versus (laughs) someone in the classroom and so it's just it's hard. And then going along with the teacher shortage, my um, mentor teacher was telling me that all of her teaching, she's had an aide in the classroom right. all the time. And then it was these past couple of years, she hasn't. And she said, I'm so thankful that you're here, even just two days a week, having you here this year, like she just going on about how much she loves it because the whole time I'm there, the majority of the time, I'm just correcting behaviors. And some of them are really quite bad. Yeah, God bless you. I hope that you're able to steer clear of whatever hellacious new TikTok trend is coming about this fall. <laughs> I, I'm crossing my fingers for you. I hope that no bathrooms are harmed over the course of the next few months. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that one was bad. That one was really bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're 100% right. I know that. And that's interesting, right? Like that your class teacher has, has like <laughs> been used to working with so you're some kind of you know, paraprofessional mm-hmm. and to be able to literally just like be there to not even instructionally, just yeah. to help out with behaviors and be another set of hands to help out that, gosh, being able to have to balance that on your own now, while yeah, also mm-hmm. the other pandemic related things are still yeah. happening and there's other challenges. Sheesh. Yeah. And the same idea of the, like how she used to have the um, paraprofessional in the classroom, yeah. we have, um, special ed students who Mm -hmm. come into the classroom during certain times of the day. And she was telling me about them and she said, yeah, we have four, four kids who come usually. And I said, oh, really? I've only ever seen two. And she was like, yeah, there's not enough teachers. So they don't all come because um, I think, I don't know for sure all of the rules, but this is what I am pretty sure um, for when the kids are leaving the classroom and going into another classroom, they need one-on-one someone with them right yeah and probably so part of their IEP plan and yeah. stuff yeah yeah there's just not enough so today we had three three students so that was that was new but they just they can't even leave their classroom because there's not enough people to be with them right and that's the thing with the teacher shortage too is it's not just like across the board it's like specific positions that are really difficult to fill and those happen to be you know 
paraprofessionals and special education teachers. But then mm-hmm. even as, you know, a classroom teacher, you see how those ripple effects mm-hmm. impact like your the regular the classroom, impact those students. Mm-hmm. It really does affect the whole classroom. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. No, I well, I, I, you mentioned that you were in a, a like a classroom management course. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask just a, a little bit about the kind of courses that you've taken. I was curious about if there have been any classes that you've taken during your teacher prep program or, you know, classes or just like kind of educational philosophies that you did dove into a lot that have like particularly stood out to you or you thought that were really fascinating. Vivian, is, is there one for you, whether it be a class or, you know, philosophy topic, something that you've learned about over the course of the last few years in your teacher prep program that has really stood out to you? I think like the most interesting thing that I've learned about um, has been like special education students. Hmm. I was in a lot of special, I was, I had an IEP going through middle school and high, and just, I got out of it in high school my freshman year because my IEP wouldn't allow me to take courses that I needed to in order to get into like a college, a university. Yeah. Um, and just learning about what goes on behind the scenes, because when you're a student on an IEP, you go to the meetings, but you just kind of just sit there and just like slump around and just like, oh, yeah. Be, from what my experience was, there's different, different experiences, with for different students that have an IEP, but like yeah. from my experience, it was, it was like, I was talked to, like, I was kind of like, like a, like a lesser student. And I was also treated along with other people as like lesser students because we were seen as disruptors or stupid, or we just needed extra time to do things. And it was just like a hassle. But like now that I've known that I've gone through these like courses, like a lot more like care and thought and like compassion has gone into like special education students and just the classes in general, like there's a lot more classes they can take. Everything's more open to them now. And there's less judgment. And I honestly, like, it makes me like, kind of like cry to like see that. Cause it's just like, I didn't get to, I didn't get to experience that because it was so like judgmental back then. And just kind of like, we were shut in like a separate room from everybody else. And it's awful to put away. Yeah. It was, it was, it was not a great experience whatsoever. So now that I see that more and more like middle schoolers or like just schools in general are incorporating them into the classroom integration just something that we really didn't have either so just like the progress of like slowly like getting yeah. this which it should have been from the start anyway but progress it's good right progress. and I and I love to see that that just makes my heart like warm for people who are like me so yeah well sheesh I'm sorry that you had such a bad experience with it <laughs> but fine. also like what an advantage is for you to, to like go into the classroom now with that perspective of having yeah. you know not just learned about how you know much better or more inclusive these things are now but actually having that prior experience yeah I think that'll be even better for like making sure that hey I'm going to be that teacher that makes sure that you get the services that you deserve you know exactly yeah or just like just like the basic like being involved in like events or just like yeah too like some of like my peers like weren't allowed to do certain events or like go on certain field trips because like they had bad behavior like that week and they just didn't want to deal with it. Like, no, not going to happen with me. Sorry. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad they'll have you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, really the biggest thing 
that I don't know my favorite thing I guess that I've learned was in my classroom management um, class that I took last semester one of my teachers main main points that she wanted to get across was about the, um, those kids with behavior issues yeah. about how she like she looks at them as the fun ones the ones that she can learn the most from the ones that she can help I don't okay I don't know if it's good to say help the most but they're they're a challenge and if and it can be a good challenge challenge doesn't have to be a bad word like if you look at them as like okay I want to help you like what can I do to help you we're going to try out all these different things and stuff like that whereas like um, Vivian was saying where before it was just okay bye you have a bad behavior go away whereas now I know I she made me feel the same way where I like the troublemaker kids actually I just said that to my teacher yesterday because there's a couple specific ones who are worse than the others and I said oh, I I love talking with those kids I love working with those kids I will spend extra time with them I like I'll talk with them because I just I I, I they need the love and it's nice to see how fast they can change with just certain little things you never really know and always not always the like main classroom teacher can do everything for every student unfortunately so i i am so thankful to be in the position that i'm in right now where i can go where like in my clinicals last semester there was one student where i would take him out every time i was there and we would just go on a walk and talk about not school anything that was not school related we would just talk and it, it helped so much. And that was something that she recommended we do just to take him out and stuff. And I loved that. And that's something too, with um, the idea of learning from them. I had a professor, I didn't have him as a class, but I went on a trip with him over the summer. And so he gave us a little presentation and his main statement or main thing was to replace judgment with curiosity. So when you look at someone and something bad is going on, instead of saying like, oh, they're a bad kid, they're doing this wrong, all this stuff, look at them and be like, oh, I wonder why this is happening like like that. So just that has stuck with me so much, the replace judgment with curiosity. And I really even in everyday life, I I like that a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I also want to add to like the kids who like are a challenge or who like act out a lot in class, like they want someone to like notice that and to like be a guide or just like, just listen to them for like a couple minutes. Cause there might be something that is bothering them in their personal life that they don't know how to like express like outwardly because they don't know how to, I don't want to say they don't know how to like properly express themselves, but they- They just might not have the right tools. They don't, to yeah, they don't them. have yeah. the right like, means to like properly like say like hey this is what's going on like can I talk to you so like it will express itself in different ways like acting out yeah, yeah. Like, all right well I only have a few more questions and then I'll, I'll let you go I don't want to keep you for too much longer but you know I I, I I joked that you know my my mom and my stepmom are both teachers and my stepmom taught elementary school art class my mom's taught kindergarten and she she had a hard pivot about halfway through her career from kindergarten to middle school um middle school art and music so that really we've seen the, the continuum but like 
one of the great things about being a teacher or having teachers in your life, of course you guys know, is that you are just an endless well of hilarious anecdotes of things that kids do in your classes. I know that you guys are still at you know, kind of the beginning. You guys haven't had a, a ton, a ton, a ton of classroom experience, but are there any great kid classroom anecdotes that you have so far that you'd like to share? Ooh, that's a hard one. I had <laughs> one that I thought was the funniest experience that I've had at least. Um, in my clinicals last semester, I was introducing myself on the first day and I was 21 mm -hmm. and I said that and someone in my class was like, oh, that means you can go to the bar and drink. And everyone else was like, oh yeah. <laughs> I had to stop myself from laughing, but yeah, that was from my experiences, that was the funniest one I've had so far, but I know that there will be plenty more. I love that you have to just like swallow that, continue being professional while acknowledging yeah, like, that, yes, that was very funny, but let's move yep. on. <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> Vivian, at this point, do you have any, any anecdotes? I don't. Yeah, I haven't started um, my observations yet, but Fair if enough. we had done this like a week, like not next week, but like the week after, like I probably would have had like some crazy story. Listen, we'll, we'll follow up. We'll get back yeah. to you at the end of this semester. I'll be in the trenches. So, and and you, know, you can come in. dispatch in from, from yes. the trenches. We'll, we'll have <laughs> yeah. you back. That'll be great. <laughs> All right. Last question for both of you. And I'm glad the cat is back in for this last question, <laughs> full circle, beautiful. But just the thing that you're looking forward to the most going into your career, what, what's like either, again, a classroom experience, a specific thing, just as you're thinking about it right now and kind of visualizing that experience, what are you looking forward to? Vivian, did you want to start out? Sure, I can start out. Um, what I most look forward to is just like sharing my love of history and English with my students and also just being like a beacon of light in the darkness for them to like kind of find themselves and like have fun learning too because the two subjects that I'm going to plan on teaching is history and English and like most people don't have a good experience with those subjects. they either fall asleep or they're just like oh like in the past is the past like why are we listen more good history you know? teachers let's go i'm excited history is everything history is everything music art books literature sports like I, I just can't wait to have so much fun with that i hated history until one specific teacher i had my junior year of high school i thought about being a history teacher because of him this is what we're really? talking about what's what's his name let's give him a shout out what's what was their name Oh, <laughs> or we cut this right now so we don't have to they I don't, don't have to know, know. we forgot the name you've had a lot of teachers it's all yeah. good it was what he did that stuck with you yeah. exactly you might That's not the remember, most important you might not I remember this picture him yeah. i can see a clear picture of him but all that matters you got that memory yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. what you learned about the war of 18 and 12 you still yeah. got that memory <laughs> <laughs> yes Maybe, did you do you have anything else um, I think, I think that kind of just sums it up, just being really excited to just share what I have to offer with everybody. Just being what, like role what a time to, to be teaching history yeah. too, you know, just like oh, yeah, the amount of times you're gonna have to say the word unprecedented of when you're <laughs> yes. teaching about 2016 through 2022. God oh, bless yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be so much fun. I cannot wait. <laughs> and then Emily, how about you? Um, yeah, so 
kind of similar. Well, I love everything that you said, Vivian, especially the fact that you're going to be a middle school teacher. I just, middle school needs more people like you very, very much so. And so for me, it's a little similar, whereas like I'm excited to um, maybe form those relationships, the good relationships with students, because elementary school is their first experiences with school. And so for most kids, they don't love that they now have to come to school for eight hours a day and sit and learn all this boring stuff. Well, they think it's boring, (laughs) Um, but it can be fun and they like can love it. And I want to help them learn to love it in those early on grades so that in middle school and in high school, they can have a good experience and look back and be like, yes, I love school. Elementary school started out good for me. I had that teacher. It was great. I love to learn. You are that rock solid foundation. <laughs> I hope I, yes, I hope to be that. I love it. Well, again, that was all I had for you. Thanks so much, Vivian, Emily. It was an absolute pleasure. And you better believe that in December, I will be reaching out and, and getting your be- the dispatches in, your best stories yes. from observation. It's going to be great. I'll take but, notes for yes. you. Please, yes. yes. I can't thank Detail you enough for jumping on the Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks so much. Again, I, re- I really, really appreciate your time. And I think this, the, the, the schedule that we release things is usually every other Friday and we've got a couple banked in there. So it will be later this, later, it'll be in September that this goes up on a Friday. So I have got your emails. I will make sure it is in your inbox first. It's going to be great. And again, I really can't thank you enough. Yeah. Thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. And good luck. I know you don't need it, but it's going to be fun. Good (laughs) Good luck with the observation. Good. Thank you. All right. See you. Thanks so much. Good night. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening to Teacher's Lounge. That's all we've got for you. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get great guests like Vivian and Emily. Send them our way, teacherslounge at niu.edu. That is teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, please do subscribe, share, leave a rating, whatever you can do. It really is the best way to help us out to get even more perspectives, even more different kinds of educators on the show. Please subscribe to the Teacher's Lounge newsletter if you want to keep up to date with everything having to do with the show. You can find a link to do that on this episode's webpage over at WNIJ.org. A big thank you to the Northern Illinois band Kind Ofs for the music you hear every single episode. And I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.